Hello, and welcome to The Sword of Good, written by Eliezer Yudkowsky, read by Ineos Brodsky. Part 2 The palace of the Lord of Dark seemed as deserted as the open desert beneath the moon, or some far below cave in the bowels of the earth. The floors and walls had been carefully carved and polished into inhuman curves, and decorated in colors that threatened to melt a human's eyes. By no five-fingered hands had this place been made. And though the four of them had been creeping through the corridors at the cautious speed of a dungeon crawl, so far not a single trap or ambush had been sprung. Alec was poking and prodding the door ahead with his staff. It was a mighty and ornamented door carved with inhuman faces set in indecipherable expressions, and Dolph had said there was something interesting beyond. Nothing, Alec said and shook his head in bemusement. No traps on this one either. All those intricate carvings and not a single mechanism hidden behind them, as far as I could tell. He sighed. I'm beginning to feel useless. You three don't really need a thief on this trip. Hiru looked up from where he was staring into the sword's blade and half-smiled. We don't know what isn't trapped. If we didn't have a thief on this trip, we'd still have to check the doors and floors. We'd just be doing it much more slowly. No, you've already saved the forces of good a good deal of time, Alec. Alec blinked. That's an odd way of looking at it, but you're right. Thank you, Highness. Alec's usually cheerful grin returned, and he stepped back and took his thief's staff from off his back. Manipulating a lever at the base, he caused the staff's clawed tip to close around the door handle. He twisted, then pushed. The door swung open. Ew! Alec and Selina said in unison. Before them, in the floor, was a vast pit of worms, writhing over one another in a light coating of slime. Next to the pit was a glass cage of worms, these motionless and rotting, and wires of red metal ran from the glass cage to the ceiling. The room smelled of cinnamon and decay. Dolph? What are we looking at? A wormarium. Dolph blinked and swallowed. I have heard of this. That any wizard, even the Lord of Dark, would sink so low. Dolph swallowed again. The Lord of Dark is draining the life force of the worms in order to sustain himself. He need not eat or drink. He will not age. He is cut off from the cycles of his own flesh. The ordinary decay of his body is transferred to the worms and the life of the worms. Ew! Selina and Alec said again. Shall we destroy it? The transfer cables are inactive. Of course, the Lord of Dark does not expect to need this once he completes the spell of infinite doom. Or perhaps he thinks it might interfere. Well, it matters not. I think he shall not notice what we do here. Dolph grounded his staff and a look of concentration briefly flashed across his face. Then, a sudden blaze of green incandescence burst forth from the pit and the cage. Alec convulsively yanked the door shut using the thief's staff. Gah! Warn a guy when you're about to do that, Master Wizard. I thought we triggered something. Our work here is... done? 
Dolph nodded. Do you sense anything else interesting enough to warrant our attention? Any other potential resources we should try to deny our enemy before the battle begins? Dolph shook his head. Hiru took a deep breath. He'd played out this scenario in his head so many times, over and over, that the reality felt more like a relief than anything else. Then it's time. They retraced their steps away from the Wormarium, returning to the central corridor they had explored earlier. Alec again took the lead, and they slowly, slowly walked down the long, black, metallic floor. After a long walk, the corridor widened out into a huge vestibule that for once did not insult the human eye. Floor laid with rectangular stones, walls hung with tapestries of pleasant color and disturbing subjects. On the left wall, an orc cradled the bloody body of a smaller orc above a heap of bloody and slashed human bodies. Other orcs gazed at the scene intently. All of their expressions were inhuman and indecipherable. On the right wall, a gray-robed figure with human hands visible, but face concealed by a solid metal mask, stood as though in blessing over a field of green plants and twisted stalks. In front of them was a huge door fit for a city gate, inlaid with gold and gems that could have purchased a whole province. Even Hiru, who came from a wealthier plane of existence, was impressed. Bloody hell. Alex said under his voice, very softly, staring at the rectangular floor stones in their neatly tiled pattern. I hate this sort of thing. Step by step, they walked across the floor, Alec pressing hard with the thief's staff on every floor stone for thirty full seconds before continuing onward. It was on almost the last step before the door that the stone suddenly slid away with a huge shriek. Not the stone Alec had just pressed down with his staff, but the stone before that, where Alec had stood. With a choked yell, the thief plummeted and vanished. Alec! Selina screamed and ran forward heedless. Hiru began to follow, then, with coldly bitter determination, checked himself. Selina looked down into the gap in the floor where Alec had vanished. She choked. Alec! Then, as if gone mad, she leaned over the gap and began to reach down. A premonition prickled at Hiru, and with sudden desperation he leapt forward and yanked Selina back from where she was leaning. With a shriek and echoing boom, the stone surged back into place, almost crushing Selina's outstretched hand. No! Tears were already rolling down her cheek. Hero, please, we have to get to him! Your Highness, you mustn't! The cold bitterness, already in Hiru, turned to sudden rage and self-loathing. As had happened once before, the terrible wail from the center of the sword seemed to grow louder, to fill his mind. Heavier than a mountain and more corrosive than a flood. A refusal to accept that would blast anything in its pathway. But still, somehow, essentially moral in nature. More than pure destruction or simple entropy. Hiru's sword lashed out as though it were a part of him and smashed down upon the stone. And the stone shattered in the same instant as though every part of it had been unbound from itself. It fell into pebbles, and the pebbles fell into dust. And the dust turned to smoke and billowed upward. And the smoke cleared and showed Alec above a bed of worms, some crushed by Alec's fall, some already beginning to writhe over his form. Alec wasn't moving, 
He wasn't breathing. The worm slime glistened on his skin. And then there was another groan of machinery, and Alec's body and the worms began to move out of their sight as a new pit of worms moved into place below the floor. No! Selena screamed, an awful heart-wrenching plea that broke and shattered in her lips. Alec! No! Hiru laid his left hand on Selena's shoulder. We must go. His voice sounded empty and emotionless, even to his own ears. The Lord of Dark knows we're here now. Selina rose from the open pit, hands clenched as if to strike. You don't respect anything, do you? She said in a voice colder than the night between worlds. I'm sorry. I know how much Alec meant to you. You can hit me later, if you like. We have to go. We have to hurry. Selina turned away from him and drew her swords. Yes, your imperial highness. He couldn't see her face. Hiru leapt across the gap in the floor to the final stone before the door. The wail had not diminished this time. It was still in his mind. With a terrible black fury and a convulsion like throwing a mountain, Hiru struck and turned the bright gold door to smoke. So much for traps. And the smoke cleared, and they saw the huge throne room, and the throne, and the Lord of Dark. A jolt of surprise rippled through Hiru's mind. The throne room was not small, but neither was it the hugeness that Hiru had expected. The size of a small house, perhaps. Scenes of sun and clouds, grass and hills, dotted the walls, and a vast skylight, above, let in a pleasant golden glow. The Lord of Dark's throne was laid on a golden platform, and the throne itself was comfortably cushioned and well-designed for the human form, more like an office chair of Hiru's own world than a formal seat. Behind the throne lay a shimmering screen of force, and behind the screen of force, an altar, and on the altar, an intricate array of gears turning without axles or wires, and above the gears, a throbbing blaze of light and the Lord of Dark sat on the ergonomic throne, garbed in a comfortable cassock of grey silk. Oh, finally, said the Lord of Dark. His fingers tapped on the arm of his throne. I was starting to wonder if you were going to show up, Hiro. Hiro's mind was scrambled for a moment. He couldn't remember his own planned opening line. Were you now? his mouth said. Come now, don't tell me you were trying to sneak up on me. The entire world knows the prophecy about our meeting. The wielder of the Sword of Good is supposed to arrive before I complete the spell of ultimate power. The Lord of Dark waved at the glow above the machinery on the altar behind the throne. And that's just about done. Dolph smiled grimly from where he leaned upon his staff. You're frightened. Of course I'm nervous. Gah! The Lord of Dark made a convulsive gesture as though to claw at the empty air, radiating frustration. Are you quite done stating the obvious? Selina raised the sword and pointed at the Lord of Dark. Around her neck, the glowy stone flamed brightly where it had been set in the empty necklace. No sorcery of mind would touch her with that armor, still less while Dolph stood guard. You killed my only love, she said in a simple voice, a quiet voice. A voice like death. And I am going to kill you. The Lord of Dark looked at her. 
A complex expression flashed across his face. Condemnation was in it, and pity. Then, without a word or a gesture, Alex's body floated out and came to rest near the altar, behind the screen of force. Alex's head is still intact. You may or may not know, Selina, that everything that a human is resides in a human's brain. Your lover still exists, Selina. All that is him still is there. He is simply not breathing at the moment. After I complete the spell of ultimate power, I'll have the ability to bring Alec back. And I will. Does that work for you? Selina swayed where she stood. She choked, a single sob escaping her lips. Hiru felt a sudden chill, remembering a conversation from what seemed like ages ago. What if the Lord of Dark had me prisoner and threatened to kill me unless you... Selina looked like a woman in the midst of tearing out her own heart and crushing it with her own hands. Hiru dropped his eyes. He couldn't look at it. He only watched Selina's hands on the swords, waiting for her decision. And then Selina straightened, and her swords came level in her hands, pointing at the Lord of Dark. And she said, in a small voice like she was dying, Good. Sudden tears came into Hiru's eyes. Slight puzzlement flickered on the Lord of Dark's face. I mean it. I'm not asking anything from you. I am just telling you that if I win, I'll bring Alec back. That's a promise. You son of a bitch. Hiru saw it, then, the cruel subtlety of the Lord of Dark. Not the obvious threat, demanding Selina to betray her friends in exchange for her lover's life. No crude offer that could be refused once and for all. Just the simple and unconditional promise. And then, Selina would have to fight on, knowing with every breath and every blow that if she won, she lost her only love forever. Bastard! She tilted the sword further to point at the Lord of Dark's head. The Lord of Dark shook his head in annoyance and then focused his gaze fully upon Hiru. Hiru tensed. He'd been wondering, for a long time now, what the Lord of Dark could possibly offer him. What threat he could possibly make to give Hiru a choice worth the name. Hiru had thought about that, trying to put himself in the Lord of Dark's place, and he thought that the Lord of Dark might indeed offer to make Hiru his number two. Or alternatively, if Hiru refused and then lost, keep him alive and torture him for thousands of years. That was about as forceful as Hiru could imagine making it. But the Lord of Dark had already demonstrated himself more subtle than Hiru's imagination. The Lord of Dark spoke. His voice was more formal now. Not calm, but steady. All the preliminaries are in place, wielder of the Sword of Good. There remains only your choice between good and bad. The Lord of Dark's eyes grew intent. Hiro... Completing the spell of ultimate power requires the sacrifice of a wizard of the highest degree, and also I have a use for that sword of good. In the name of all the darkness that exists in the world, I request that you kill Dolph with the sword of good, and then give it to me. There was a long pause. That's it? The whole thing was so insane, after so much waiting and wondering, that he felt a crazy laughter rising up in his own throat. He swallowed it. That's the awful temptation? That's the choice? 
You think I'm going to choose bad over good because you asked politely? The Lord of Dark stared at Hiru as though he were the crazy one. The choice between good and bad, said the Lord of Dark in a slow, careful voice, as though explaining something to a child. It's not a matter of saying good. It is about deciding which is which. Dolph uttered a single bark of laughter. Ha! You're mad! Can you truly not know that you are evil? You, the Lord of Dark! Names, said the Lord of Dark quietly. Hiru was so angry he could hardly speak. With an icy effort of control, he forced himself back to calm, forced his eyes to keep moving. This could all be a distraction. If you're going to give me some pathetic speech about how good and evil are just different sides of the same coin... Absolutely not, said the Lord of Dark at once. His gaze flicked to Dolph. It is the wizards who go about talking of equilibrium and balance. I am pleased to see, Hero, that you do not agree with them. No, Hero, I am asking you something much simpler. His eyes bored into Hero's face. What wrong have I done? A small note of disorientation rose up in Hiru, like climbing stairs and stepping on what you thought was the last stair, but beneath your foot there was no stair, no floor, nothing. You suck the life from worms. I know darkness when I see it. The Lord of Dark's gaze scarcely flickered in her direction. Be silent, eater of mammals. You command the bad races of evil land. You lent them your sorcery, aided them in slaughtering human beings. The Lord of Dark was watching Hiru carefully as he made reply. Human beings first launched an unprovoked attack on this land some 3,000 years ago, saying, though it was lies, that the inhabitants ate human flesh. The records here would have it, and I believe them, that the missing people were in fact being kidnapped and sold by human slave-takers, since then, those you call the bad races have been fighting off repeated attempts at extermination. Oh, they hate you. Of course they do. But they are wise enough to understand that there are also a few good humans, even as there's evil among their own kind. They are friendly enough to me. An awful fear was beginning to rise up in Hiru. Now it is my turn to make accusation. The Lord of Dark stood. Anger gathered around him like a cloak, and his voice rang out through the throne room. You, Dolph, arch-wizard of the Fell Empire, I do accuse of commanding and causing to be performed the murders of Elzur, Anza, Stav, Valdil, Emhil, Tum, Karl, and Amagus Mikkel. On the eighth day of the seventh moon of this year you ordained their deaths. I do not call them innocents. They bore weapons. They went knowingly to the risk. But you, Dolph, you made necessary their sacrifice. You may not be forgiven for the lives that you have cut short and the grief you have given to their families and survivors. Though this is only the beginning of your long litany of crimes, yet I remember the day that first message came to me. You are mad. You accuse us of murder for killing orcs? Hiru stood frozen. There was a hissing sound as the seven creatures guarding the doorway caught sight of them, the intruders. Their glistening chests expanded, sucking air. Their faces contracted, eyes squinting in an expression that a human would interpret as hatred or surprise. 
And then their scaly warted hands whipped over their heads and brought forth swords. Why did I... So what if their skin was moist and scaly and warted and unsightly to human eyes? So what if their blood smelled foul as Selina poured it forth in rivers? Why didn't I... Hiru's memory moved forward relentlessly, like waking up from and reviewing some mad dream. His arm lashed out with sudden force, and the sword sank through the robes near where a human would keep their heart. Here is your crime. You, a human, have betrayed the Empire. You, a true wizard by birth, have betrayed the ancient halls of wizardry. You spread sedition and treason, and oppose the authority of the rightful heir to the throne. Why did I think that I had the right to rule over millions of people, without votes or parliaments, because of who my parents were? Dolph slammed his staff on the ground. And above all, above all, that you seek to cast the spell of infinite doom. That you, in your lust for power, would destroy the very equilibrium that holds the world in balance. Because Dolph seemed to expect it of me. Because no one around me seemed to question that it was a good idea. Or even point it out as something to think about. Equilibrium. His face twisted. Balance. Is that what the wizards call it when some live in fine castles and dress in the noblest raiment, while others starve in rags in their huts? Is that what you call it when some years are of health and other years' plague sweeps the land? Is that how you wizards in your lofty towers justify your refusal to help those in need? Fool! There is no equilibrium. It is a word that you wizards say at only and exactly those times that you don't want to bother. It prevents you from giving food to the hungry, but not from filling your own bellies. Your friends are good enough to be healed, no threat to the balance there, but the cripple in the streets must be left to suffer. Dolph stepped forward and brushed Selina's arm briefly with the staff. Was the legless beggar, watching them with incurious eyes, a spy? Why hadn't he thought to ask? Because you just don't care. And in the stillness of dawning disaster, in the first note of questioning, Hiru thought of something else he had never thought to ask. Dolph had his sorcerous shields of protection. Why had Dolph let Alec walk in front? Dolph was, in fact, by far the strongest member of their party. Why had he let Selina do the fighting? Because Dolph was more important. And if he exposed himself to all the risk every time, he might eventually be injured. Hiru's logical mind completed the thought. Lower risk, but higher stakes. Cold, but necessary. But would you, said another part of his mind, would you, Hiru, let your friends walk before you and fight and occasionally die if you knew that you yourself were stronger and able to protect them? Would you be able to stop yourself from stepping in front? Perhaps, replied the cold logic, if the world were at stake. Perhaps, echoed the other part of himself. But that is not what was actually happening. That part of him knew, as Selina had known before. It's just that, from the beginning, 
Dolph never cared in the slightest about Selina's life. Had cared nothing for a mere pirate captain. Pirate captain? Hiru's eyes flicked briefly to Selina. She has attacked ships and sunken ships. She has kidnapped and killed. All in the name of profit for herself, before she ever met me or tried to save the world. She killed dozens without a thought, until her own love was lost. And then a single death was suddenly an event of world-shaking significance. Why did I think that was acceptable? Why didn't I notice? Another memory came to Hiru. The color drained from the courier's face as his eyes locked onto some vision that only he and Dolph could see. The courier screamed, and the sound came out as a small, thin, pathetic wail. Dolph had done that without touching the man, but... Threats of death and injury are already torture in themselves, under the Geneva Convention, by the laws of my own world. He'd known something was wrong, that small note of disquiet in the corner of his mind, but he hadn't said a word out loud, because, well, it would have been awkward. I am a fool. Worse than a fool. Why didn't the sword just kill me? And the everlasting wail of the Sword of Good burst fully into his consciousness. It was like his mind and self were sucked toward that infinitely thin line running through the center of the sword, the edge within the blade. Sucked toward that edge and cut through. Cut through and torn wide and forced open. A scream ripped from Hiru's lips. He was starving to death, freezing naked in cold night air, being stabbed, beaten, raped, watching his father, daughter, lover die, hurt, 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 die! Open to all the darkness that exists in the world, his consciousness shattered into a dozen million fragments, each fragment privy to some private horror. The young girl screaming as her father, face demonic, tore her blouse away. The horror of the innocent condemned as the judge laid down the sentence. The mother holding her son's hand tightly with tears rolling down her eyes as his last breath slowly wheezed from his throat. All the darkness that you look away from. The endless scream. Make it stop! It might have been Hugh's thought, or the thought of the man who screamed as his foot was crushed beneath a stone. Refuse. Reject. Change. Reality, don't be like this. Make it stop! It could have been Hiru or the child in the burning house. Make it stop. 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 I will make it stop. In the throne room of the Lord of Dark, the sword suddenly blazed up with a shock like a thousand-mile dam breaking, a roaring tsunami of force. The eyes could not see that power, wavered between detecting it as light or darkness, so that Hiru, grasping the hilt, was the only dark thing left against the brilliance, or the only bright thing haloed against the shadow.
Dolph had been turning toward Hiru with alarm in his face. Now his eyes widened, and a sudden gladness lit his countenance. You've done it! You have awakened the sword at last! Now, my prince, with but a single strike, you may... The sword, with one smooth sweep, cut through all Dolph's defenses like water and touched the wizard's throat. And in the moment of the sword touching Dolph's skin, the wizard stopped. The sword continued in its motion unabated, and Dolph's head separated from his body and went rolling across the floor, as something seemed to flow away from the corpse toward the gears above the altar. Selina's cry of horror mingled with the sudden hum of the brightened glow above the gears. Hero! Hero, why? You said you would be good! Then she turned toward him and pointed her swords. Selina froze in place like a statue, one of her feet suspended in mid-air and mid-run. In the same instant, the glowing stone on her necklace shattered. Hiru's eyes drifted, ever so slowly it seemed, to the disbelief on Selina's face. A part of him was horrified and saddened to see her looking at him like that. And at the same time, it seemed like such a small thing. Her horror, his own sadness, compared to even a single parent watching their child die. Let alone the actual number doing so right at that moment elsewhere in the world. Thank you, said the Lord of Dark softly. Make it stop, said Hiru's lips. There were other thoughts inside him, still being carried out by his brain, but they were dwarfed under that single, terrible weight. The Lord of Dark rose from his throne, began to come forward. I must touch the blade. Hiru crossed the intervening space in an instant, the sword moving in a single perfect arc in his hands. It was as though the blade simply materialized in front of the Lord of Dark. The Lord of Dark jerked back. Hurry, said Hiru's lips. The spell of ultimate power is already in progress now, and will complete in a few moments. It can neither be hurried nor delayed. But before that time, there is one last thing I must do. The Lord of Dark reached out for the sword, but his fingers faltered. Must do, the Lord of Dark repeated to himself and his fingers reached out and firmly came to rest on the blade of the Sword of Good. They lingered there for a long moment. Then... Thank you. That was all. You can put down the Sword of Good now. You probably should. Hiru dropped the sword. In the instant the sword left his hands, it became only another piece of metal and fell to the ground with a simple clang. And in the moment that Hiru's hands left the hilt, he became only another mortal. Hiru staggered and was distantly aware of the Lord of Dark catching him as he fell, to lay him gently on the ground. In a whisper, Hiru said, Thank you, and paused. My name is Vazar. You didn't trust yourself. That's why you had to touch the Sword of Good. Hiru felt Vazar's nod more than seeing it. The air was darkening, or rather, Hiru's vision was darkening, but there was something terribly important left to say. The Sword of Good only tests good intentions. It doesn't guide your steps. That which empowers a hero does not make us wise. Desperation strengthens your hand, 
but it strikes with equal force in any direction. I'll be careful, said the Lord of Dark, the one who had mastered and turned back the darkness. I won't trust myself. You are. Then me. You are. I should have known. I should have known from the beginning. I was raised in another world. A world where royal blood is not a license to rule. A world whose wizards do more than sneer from their high towers. A world where life is not so cheap. Where justice does not come as a knife in the night. A world where we know that the texture of a race's skin shouldn't matter. And yet for you, born in this world, to question what others took for granted. For you, without ever touching the sword, to hear the scream that had to be stopped at all costs. I don't trust you either, but I don't expect there's anyone better. And he closed his eyes until the end of the world. End Sword of Good Thank you to the following people. Dolph Drake Walker Selena by Brooke Davis Lord of Dark by Brian Jones Alec by Greg Krause This chapter's original text, production notes, and attribution links, along with archives and much more, can be found at hpmorpodcast.com. Some sound effects used are courtesy of the Free Sound Project. Thank you for listening, and come back in two weeks for the next chapter of Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. Rationality.